occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. <laughs> hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 68. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses on this snowy day. Yeah, surprisingly, it snowed yesterday, even though it's been really hot recently. Right, what's that about? Global warming, am I right, ladies? But if it's global warming, why is it cold? Have you been, Kate? How was Easter for you? Easter was fine for me. I set up a treasure hunt for Abby. That was nice. It was with the eggs that she'd bought herself. We are lame people. Yeah. Times are getting tough. So <laughs> bored being in the house. We went on a walk <laughs> counterclockwise around the docks. That's how you know it's a real thriller. <laughs> How's Easter for you? It was fine. I had someone set up an Easter egg hunt for me with my own eggs. Someone? Yeah. Who? I don't know. The bunny. The Easter bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that was you? (gasps) What? Anyway, how was everyone else's Easter? Great, thanks. (laughs) That's where you should have spoken. What are you talking about today, Kate? (laughs) Uh, This week, I'll be telling you about a strange Scottish lighthouse with a dark past. How is it a lighthouse if it's dark? Sounds like a pretty shit lighthouse. Well, I'll be getting more into that. Oh, I'm super excited. I'm talking about the lost city of Atlantis. Whoa. Which is something I said I would cover probably about 50 episodes ago. So I'm pretty excited to talk about that, I guess. Do you ever watch, is it just called Atlantis, the Disney movie? Um, You know, I was thinking about this it's when I was writing it. white haired woman in, she's got blue paint on her. I know her. Yeah. Maybe it is just called that. I think so. My memory is not very good. I seem to remember I liked it, but I feel like it tackled problems way too large for an infant mind. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, do you want to get... Oh, wait, strange news. Yeah. Almost just let you get straight into it. I know, I was going to hound you for the news. In strange news this week from Unexplained Mysteries, new dinosaur just dropped. Oh my god, new merch. This isn't... Like the spookiest of stories, but I just think dinosaurs are pretty rad. And like, this is kind of cool because we're talking about old stuff. I feel like this is all the news is nowadays. It's just something one of us found mildly interesting. That's not true because you wouldn't let me do the story where pigs could play video games with their noses. But you should have. I honestly don't recall. You said don't do that. Anyway, (laughs) paleontologists have discovered fossilized remains of a new species of a large carnivorous dinosaur in Argentina. It's a bit smaller than the T-Rex. We all know the T-Rex. I'm sure you do. You've seen Jurassic Park? Yeah, we do actually. I learned some funny facts about the T-Rex. Let me tell you. The T-Rex actually had binocular vision, so it had eyes at the front of its head, which means that it had depth perception. So even if you stopped, it would still be able to see you. That is a myth. Also, the crocodile, the bite force of a crocodile, is what the T-Rex had per tooth. How do you remember this just off the top of your head? Fun facts with Kate, the new podcast. Yeah, sorry, continue. Anyway, it's thought to have roamed the Earth 85 million years ago, and it's believed to have had incredible hearing and would likely have been an incredible hunter. In fact, the translation of its name literally means the one who causes fear. Me. I would love to have that title. What's it actually called? I didn't write that down because I knew I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Was. Yeah, if you Google the one who causes fear, it'll come up, and that's enough. It's just a photo of me and Abby. Yeah, this is all one big elaborate late prank. (laughs) What's your favourite dinosaur? Probably the Velociraptor. Okay, a classic. Yeah, because they're extremely intelligent. But now that I've got all these fun new facts about the T-Rex, maybe I'll just start saying that. But I feel like if someone says the T-Rex is their favourite, you're like, oh, that's kind of lame. The Brontosaurus is my favourite. Is that lame? Or the, the Apatosaurus is what it's called now, isn't it? I have a question. Yes. Diplodocus. Pronounced Diplodocus, correct? Diplodocus. Why? (laughs) You did not learn it like that. No, I didn't. No one learned it like that. Diplodocus? I'm upset. Because he plod. Oh, never mind. Do you believe that they were covered in feathers? I think some of them were, but I think some of them weren't. Great Um, answer. That is on that. Tell me about your scary story, Kate. Okay, my sources this week are Wikipedia, historic-uk.com, ancient-origins.net, the OG. Love that. Dailymail.co.uk, strangeoutdoors.com, and nlb.org.uk. Not Major League Baseball before you make the joke. It's an N for November. Major League Baseball. I hate you. 
Nanny's League Baseball. Nudie League. <laughs> Noodle League Baseball. That's the, that's the baseball that I play. Okay, let's start off super interesting. How much do you know about Scotland's geography? Um, some of it. Not, Not that some. great. Yeah, okay. Well, unlike boring old England and Wales, Scotland has over 900 offshore islands. Are you going to talk about Rockall? What? No. Okay. Sorry, do you have a big fact? No, but I'm going to talk about that. Oh. In the main groups are Shetland, Orkney, the Inner Hebrides, and the Outer Hebrides. Which is, I think, how you say that. It could be Hebrides, but I don't think it is. <laughs> There's not going to be a quiz on this, so don't worry, yourself. I just want to give you like a general overview on how kind of clustered and also segregated Scotland is. So Eileen Moor, or Big Isle, as it actually means, is a part of the Flannan Isles, just west of the Isle of Lewis, all of which are part of the Outer Hebrides, basically speaking, if you're looking at the UK, it's got that little hat on to the top left, mm -hmm. and it's just northwest of that. There's a lighthouse near the highest point on Eileen Moor called the Flannan Isles Lighthouse, but it's often referred to as the Eileen Moor Lighthouse. It's not especially tall, standing at only 75 foot, and it just looks like your average lighthouse. No, it's not red and white striped. I was upset. Well, then it doesn't look like an average lighthouse then, does it? It's just a white tower with a lantern. I think most of them are. Yeah. Which is honestly heartbreaking. I don't know why everyone has got it in their hive mind <laughs> that lighthouses are red and white. I don't think I've ever seen one that is. No, me either. Mm. Conspiracy theory where we've shifted into a dimension. Oh my God. <laughs> That'll be next episode. Lighthouses used to be red and white. Anyway just a white tower with a lantern and it has a one-story keeper's house attached to it. For those interested, it was first lit on the 7th of December 1899. So a really, really old lighthouse for American history, but just a baby lighthouse for us. Infant lighthouse. Infant. Infant lighthouse for the Brits. The island is only 17 and a half acres big and is completely uninhabited. This is because locals had always thought that spirits haunted the remote island. In fact, back in the 7th century, a saint built a chapel on the island, which is why it's named that, because he was St. Flannan. Worshippers would visit to ritualistically circle the church on their knees to pay respect to the local fairies. This sounds terrifying. Mm -hmm. This superstition led to some issues when the lighthouse was built, actually, because locals feared it would unleash the wrath of St. Flannan. Now, apart from the lighthouse, there's nothing nearby. As I said, it's uninhabited. But there is a railway track that was used to transport provisions, like food and fuel for the lantern in the lighthouse. This hasn't been used since the 60s. They brought in like a three-wheeled cross-country vehicle called the Nat, um, and then that broke down pretty soon after. And nowadays, the whole lighthouse is automated, as are most lighthouses, which I was interested to learn. They are? Yeah. I feel like I don't know anything about lighthouses, I'm just realising. Yeah, well, now you know. Most Aww. of them, I don't think there are any in the US, from what I learned, that are that have keepers. There's still the job of a lighthouse keeper, but it's just doing like maintenance on the electrics or... Right, I thought it was like they would turn on the light and sort of shine it. Not anymore. Oh. Yeah. Robots taking over everyone's jobs. I know. Goddamn 21st century. Uprising. They're going to kill us all. Lighthouses are going to do gonna it turn first. off all the lighthouses. That would be bad. And watch the world burn. Anyway, automated, so no need for provisions, so the railway track like doesn't work anymore. Whatever. However, this wasn't the case in the early 1900s, and lighthouse keepers were still required on site. As I'm sure you know, the main job of a lighthouse keeper is to keep the light of the lantern on in the dark and in poor weather conditions. There's also cleaning jobs and other things, but that's that's the main one I'm going to be honing in on. The main gig. So back on the 15th of December 1900, it was a big surprise when the light from the Flannan Isle lighthouse wasn't on during some poor weather. Luckily, the ship that noted this, the Archter, carried on sailing to its final destination without any trouble, but once they docked, they reported this to the Cosmopolitan Line Steamer's headquarters so they could forward the message to the Northern Lighthouse Board. 
However, this didn't happen for some number of days, apparently because there were other pressing matters that caused it to escape from memory. Hmm. Hmm. Eventually, though, the Northern Lighthouse Board were notified of what had gone on, i.e. no light in a lighthouse, and were pretty annoyed that they weren't told sooner. They were even more annoyed that the man in charge of checking on the light from the next aisle over hadn't even noticed the light was out. Anyway, annoyances out of the way, they sent a relief vessel so they could aid the lighthouse keepers, thinking they'd run out of fuel, something had happened to them, whatever. The lighthouse keepers in question were James Ducat, Donald MacArthur, and Thomas Marshall, who were 43, 40, and 28, respectively. The initial plan was to send a relief boat the next day, but the bad weather stayed for the next week, so the boat didn't actually arrive at Eileen Moor until the 26th of December. Boxing Day. Yeah. Captain James Harvey, or Jim, as he was more often known, and will be known for the remainder of this podcast, was commanding the relief boat, Hesperus, and brought with him Joseph Moore, who was one of the, I guess, replacement keepers, right? To relieve the current ones of their duties, because they obviously weren't doing a good job. When Jim and Joseph arrived, though, they were very surprised that no one had waited for their arrival on the docks, and there was no flag raised, which I think is what was done to sort of be like, I see you guys coming, come on up. Right. So Jim blew his ship's horn and fired a flare to get their attention, but still nothing happened. So, Jim dropped Joseph off, which is one of the hardest things I've ever said. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't say that. I'd started too much. And Joseph went up to the lighthouse on his own to find out what's gone on. When he got to the keeper's living quarters, he found all main doors closed, beds unmade, and all clocks stopped. The fire wasn't lit and hadn't been in a while, so inside was dark, damp, and cold. He also noticed that two out of the three oil-skinned coats were gone from their pegs. And in the kitchen, there was a half-eaten meal of old meat, pickles, and potatoes, just left on the table, and a chair was flipped upside down. Joseph also found the keeper's canary sat starving on its perch. No! But it was fed and rescued. Yeah. Have no fear. As he explored the whole lighthouse, he found that there was no reason the light should not be on. As everything was in working order, it was all clean. It should have been on. The more Joseph looked around, the more worried he became that he had not found the other keepers. Understandably, he was probably a bit freaked out by this point, so he went back to Jim, who ordered some of his men to search the island with Joseph to look for the three keepers. But no one was found. All of the men went back to Hesperus, and Jim sent a telegram to the Northern Lighthouse Board that went as follows. A dreadful accident has happened at the Flannans. Three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. The clocks were stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane. Now obviously people weren't just like, oh okay, three men are probably dead, we'll just leave it be. The Northern Lighthouse Board launched an investigation on, into the disappearances. Robert Muirhead turned up on the 29th of December to conduct it, and knew all three missing men personally because he was the one that recruited them into it. Oh, nice. As he read through the last entries made in the log by the three keepers, it was obvious that something had gone wrong. The entries from Thomas Marshall went as follows. December 12th, Gale North by Northwest. Sea lashed to fury, stormbound. 9 p.m. Never seen such a storm. Everything shipshape. Ducat irritable. 12 p.m. Storm still raging. Wind steady. Stormbound. Cannot go out. Ship passed sounding foghorn. Could see lights of cabins. Ducat quiet. MacArthur crying. December 13th. Storm continued through night. Wind shifted west by north. Ducat quiet. MacArthur praying. 12 noon, grey daylight, me, Ducat, and MacArthur prayed. And then December 15th, 1pm, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. That's spooky, right? So let's pick that apart. It mentions that MacArthur was crying, which might not seem that weird, right? 
he was the occasional, which meant he rotated in when one of the three normal keepers had time off. Mm -hmm. Which is what had happened, that's why he was there. However, James was known to be a tough brawler on land and had years of experience on the water behind him. So why would he be crying at a storm? Yeah, that's true. You'd think he'd be used to it, right? It also mentioned that all three of the men had been praying. Again, pretty weird because they're all extremely experienced mariners and they were at the top of the highest part of the island, safe in the lighthouse. Hmm. I was also a bit confused by the final entry from the 15th saying that the storm was over because the weather was still poor on the 15th. That's what prompted the archer to report the missing light. That's very odd, right? Plus, there wasn't even reported to be a storm from the 12th to the 14th. Because there were people living on like the nearby Isle of Lewis and stuff, and they were like, yeah, there was no storm. What? And the only storm in recent memory that had done any damage was the one prohibiting the relief boat from coming sooner, which was after the 15th. And why doesn't the 14th have any entries at all? This is confusing. It's weird, right? It is weird. So Robert Muirhead was also confused about this, and about the fact that one of the lighthouse keepers would have left with his raincoat, like without his raincoat, sorry, into such an awful storm in the cold winter. This is December in Scotland. As a side note, Joseph stated, Donald MacArthur has his wearing coat left behind him which shows, as far as I know, that he went out in shirt sleeves. He never used any other coat on previous occasions, only the one I'm referring to. So it's unlikely that he just grabbed a different coat. Sounds like they've all had something, like, obscure happen. Maybe they were all, like, on drugs or something. I don't know how accessible drugs were. Well, that's what I'm thinking, but, like, hmm, I can't really think of anything else, right? He was also confused because all three of these men were good lighthouse keepers. So why had all three of them abandoned their posts at the same time, directly going against their training and their explicit orders? Robert then went over to the landing platform. Uh, There was one on the west and one on the east. One of them was fine. It was absolutely normal. It's the one that Joseph was dropped off on when he came to check the island. And the other one had ropes scattered over the rocks. Upon closer inspection, Robert found that these ropes were normally held 70 feet above in a crate held by a supply crane. Thinking back to Jim's telegram, he said, poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane, right? So Jim must have just seen what had gone on. He thought the crane had dropped the crate and all three keepers had gone down to try and grab the ropes when a big rogue wave had taken them off guard and they'd subsequently drowned. Robert wrote that this is the most likely theory. However, this still raises questions. First, the sea should have been calm, from what everyone else is saying, from the other islands. The nearby Isle of Lewis had not reported any bad weather before the 17th, so how could a wave have been so big to take three experienced lighthouse keepers out to sea and drown them? Also, if the men were responding to this kind of event, and two of them had grabbed their coats, why didn't the third? Plus, where were the bodies? Yeah. Normally it would just wash up. So, people thought perhaps they were sick of being lighthouse keepers. Some of them have mentioned to their families before that working at this particular lighthouse was unsafe and dangerous because it was shortly after, bear in mind it's only been about a year since it was constructed, like since the light was turned on and the construction of the lighthouse had been delayed due to different things. It had been destroyed by storms and stuff before so it wasn't the easiest place to work. Didn't really want to be there. Exactly. So maybe they hopped on a boat sailing past one day to make a better life for themselves somewhere else. Possibly, yeah. It's possible, but two of the men had families of their own, with wives and children who they were devoted to. So it seems a little unlikely. Others thought that maybe they were taken against their will, like by pirates or something similar. Mm. However, that doesn't explain why two of them took their coats. And why all of the dishes had been done, and everything was cleaned and in its place. Polite pirates. (laughs) And all of the doors were locked behind them. Oh, they were planning to go out. 
or they stayed in. Huh, that's so strange. Yeah. There is the heavily talked about possibility that one of the men murdered the other two and then took his own life. The possibility is... Favoured isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. People think this is probably what happened, but again, it wouldn't explain how none of the bodies have been found a hundred years later. Especially if it was a suicide, because you wouldn't be able to hide your own body. Exactly. If he'd killed the other two and like thrown them in the sea or something, then maybe, but... Yeah. Doesn't really make much sense. I guess it could make sense if tensions had been high, as the log entries would suggest. But Mike Dash, who was a Welsh writer, researcher, and historian, suggested that the logbooks were a hoax after the event that was then released to the press. But we'll never know. Maybe. More superstitious people believe that the men were carried away by a sea serpent, alien, siren, or possibly even by a ghost ship. This could explain why there have been reports in recent years of voices in the wind calling out the names of the three missing men. I just don't get why the doors would be locked. (laughs) Right? Aliens don't have to knock. Yeah. Maybe they do. Maybe they were just polite and locked up after them. That's sweet. Yeah, wholesome (laughs) aliens. If you are super interested in this story, you can watch The Vanishing, which is a 2018 film. It has Gerard Butler in. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like a pretty big film. For once as well, I can actually say I have seen the film and it's pretty good, but I don't really believe that what happened in the film is what happened. Right. It kind of was like, treasure's washed up. Let's kill the man that comes looking for it. Okay. There was like four murders in this and I'm like, look. I probably I highly doubt that three experienced lighthouse keepers on Eileen and Moore have killed four men. You never know. True. And that is literally it. There is nothing else about the Eileen Moore lighthouse disappearances. That's bizarre. That's really strange. Right? Huh. What do you think happened? We'll get into ideas. Okay, okay, okay. I'll do the scare scale. Scare scale. Scare scale. <laughs> Okay, how scary do you think it is? Like a solid four. Four, yeah. Is it because it's surrounded by water and you fear that? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. How dangerous? <laughs> um, Four. Because you can't swim? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's the <laughs> likelihood that something untoward has happened? Um, Three. Three. Fair enough. And what are your ideas? They died. The the guy, one of them killed the others. Although I, I think the biggest problem with that is, again, where, where would the body be? It doesn't make any sense unless someone had taken them, but why would you do that? I don't know. I can't think of how that would work. Um, but I guess that would make sense as to why things were locked. Maybe the one who didn't take his coat was the one who, like, killed them. I don't know. Um, Perhaps... Maybe, like, one of the the man that was crying, perhaps he took his own life or whatever. He couldn't hack it. He was the occasional, as we've said before, you know, maybe, like, something had gone on. He was in a low mood anyway. That's why he was crying. That's why he was praying. The storm freaked him out. So maybe he took his own life and then the other two were like, oh, my God, it looks like we killed him. We have to hide the body. They sailed out on, like, a rowboat Oh, my God, maybe they left, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why he didn't have his coat on because he's or- he'd already taken his life in the lighthouse. And maybe they sailed out and like were caught in the storm. Oh my God, you've cracked it, Kate. Yeah. That's totally what happened. <laughs> I don't have any other ideas because that's it. That's the one. <laughs> You're so good at this. Why am I even here? I read a lot of um, whodunit <laughs> type things. Um, aliens. Okay. Obviously. I'm presuming like a storm and drowning are also just on there. Oh yeah, storm, drowning, mm-hmm. um, pirates. I knew you were going to that one. Well, yeah, because pirates are interesting. But again, I don't really get why they would have been like, yeah, you guys go get your coats. Don't forget to lock up, make sure it's all clean and tidy and then get on the boat and surrender. You know what I mean? True. I was thinking probably with the pirates that they wouldn't have docked 
come up all of the stairs. I think there's like 201 stairs to get up to the lighthouse, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking maybe like the lighthouse keepers went down to the dock to fix the crane or whatever. Pirates had seen them, just taken them. Yeah, I was thinking that they'd already be outside if they were in their, if they'd taken their coats. But why didn't one of them? That's the weird thing. Maybe he lost it. It was on the peg. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe he was like, I don't need my coat. I'm odd. He'd been crying from the storm and praying. Maybe they didn't take him and then he left on his own accord. Again, why would he not take his coat? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to melt Maybe your brain. Maybe he had a different coat. Maybe that was his he spare. Didn't. You don't know. I do because I've read that thing to you. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know about the coat thing. Okay, that's so we the, got... That's the most confusing one. We got murder, storm, drowning, aliens and pirates. Anything else? That sounds like a party. That's enough. That's a, that sounds like a party. Okay, you heard it here first, ladies and gents. Tell us what you think happened on social media. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do that at Myths Magic Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to support us on Patreon and get some exclusive extra content, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Myths Magic Murder. Yeah, over on Patreon, you get a 10% discount on our merch. Whoop, whoop. And we give you video content so you can see our ugly mugs telling you things that you didn't know before, possibly. And you can vote in polls you can tell us what you want to hear next you can have a little chat you do what do what you so wish and you support the show so it's a win-win for everyone really yeah uh also i mentioned the merchandise you can get that over on mythsmagicandmurder.com and that's all there for your beautiful eyes to feast upon and on the website we've also got like a little requests bit a little submissions bit if you want to tell us anything you want to you know request a story that's absolutely fine and if you want to tell us your haunted happenings terrifying tales and spooky stories you can email those over on midsmagicandmurder at gmail.com all right let's talk about oh let's get right into it let's get right into it let's talk about atlantis my sources are britannica nat geo history hit history.com wikipedia live science ancient architects on youtube and techtimes.com ancient architects wow it's pretty pretty neat right pretty so let's let's start from from back in day a way way back how far back um ancient greeks oh yeah i remember it well yeah a few days ago atlantis is thought to be a likely fictional city that greek philosopher plato mentioned in some of his texts your plato fan he's all right i think he's a bit overrated oh my god well controversial opinion all right so if you don't know who plato is if you're not interested in philosophy, he was a Athenian philosopher who studied under Socrates and dedicated his life to writing philosophical dialogues. In his work, he described Atlantis as a powerful and advanced kingdom that was consumed by earthquakes and floods and ultimately sank in a night and a day in around 9,600 BC. So back when I was just newborn. <laughs> but I was about 50 at this point. 15? No, five zero. Oh, right, right. The story describes Atlantis as a large island in the Atlantic Ocean with an extremely advanced culture, and it was protected by the god Poseidon. Atlantis was made up of islands containing precious metals and an abundance of exotic wildlife, which sounds pretty fucking neat. Right, I want to be there. But you don't, because it's under the sea. It's what? Under the sea. Oh god. I'm going to get copyright material. Let's not. They were moral, spiritual, and intelligent. Like me. I'm joking. But as they became more powerful, their ethics declined. They became morally bankrupt and greedy, and they were able to conquer a large portion of Africa and Europe. They were then met with punishment from the divine as a result of their civilization being, you know, cruel, and they were destroyed. Plato said that he heard the story from his grandfather, who was obviously a lot older than him, who had heard it from the statesman Solon, who had heard it from an Egyptian priest who said it happened 9,000 years before that. So it's a bit like um, my cousin's girlfriend's boyfriend's dog's uncle. uncle told me. Yeah. yeah. Why do we have the same brain? Somebody told me. So we don't really know how, how old it actually is based on this, but pretty fucking old, basically. The ancient Greeks weren't sure whether Plato was being factual or trying to deliver some kind of metaphor about his ideal society, 
because the writings of Plato were the only records of such a city, even though he claims that it's been going for such a long time. Everyone knows about the lost city of Atlantis. What are you on about? Yeah, we do now. <laughs> because of this and that Disney movie, apparently. Even one of Plato's students, Aristotle, thought that he had invented the island to help teach philosophy. However, many did and still do think that Plato was teaching a fact when it came to Atlantis. Some people think it may have been inspired from the island of Thera, which is now Santorini. The small island experienced a volcanic eruption in around 1500 BCE, which was also accompanied by a series of earthquakes and tsunamis. At the time, a highly advanced society named the Mononians lived on Santorini and they were wiped out with the natural disasters. Also, in December of last year, a large portion of this ancient city was discovered 200 feet below ground. And it is sick. Oh, it is. So it showed what used to be narrow streets paved with stone, a town square, and houses built up to four stories high. It suggests a highly sophisticated civilization that lived here for thousands of years before being met with an abrupt end caused by a volcano. They also found colourful paintings on the walls of buildings that show what life may have been like there, featuring bright colours, exotic animals, and wealth. As I said, this is all underwater. I think they've put like a, a little roof on it now to kind of protect it. Okay, that's cute. But it's super cool. I really like seeing buildings underwater. You hate transport but I hate, underwater. I hate... If I see a, uh, a plane underwater... God, it makes me feel like I'm going to vomit. <laughs> while this is super interesting, it doesn't really fit in with Plato's timeline. So while it's possible, people have obviously plenty of other ideas. The most common, obviously besides that it's just a story, is that Atlantis is a real city that Plato wanted to write about to express his teachings, or just because he found it really interesting. And I think this is obviously the most exciting one, the idea of there being a whole sunken city that was super advanced, just in the sea. And it's usually depicted as like a whole city as well, or at least buildings rather than just sort of like rubble or leftovers. Leftovers. Old pizza. Sloppy seconds. Not destroyed or anything. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. full on buildings. Crusts. <laughs> Back in 1882, American congressman and amateur scientist Ignatius Donnelly published a book about Atlantis and claimed that it was a real place. He suggested that Plato's account of Atlantis was mostly factual and that all known ancient civilizations were descended from that lost island. This gave the lost city of Atlantis new modern credibility, and many explorers and scientists set out to hunt and find the city, but no one really knows where it is, which obviously puts a bit of a spanner in the works. Well, yeah. There's many, a lot of water. <laughs> there is. That's what's scary about this thing. About everything, really. About life. There's too much water. Can you guess that she has anxiety? Mostly for the sea. God, I fear water. Many people think that somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean is where Atlantis is, based off of Plato, and obviously the name Atlantis kind of suggests that. Some people think it's in the Mediterranean, and some people think that it's actually Sweden. Uh, okay. Ignatius also said that Atlantis was the place where humans first created civilization and that the gods of the ancient Greeks were simply the rulers of Atlantis, which is a really cool thought, actually, and that the Atlanteans were the first manufacturers of iron, also that the civilization perished due to unfortunate, na unfortunate natural disasters. Any natural disaster is unfortunate. True. <laughs> you ever think about that? This doesn't really seem too hard to believe at all, personally. Like, It kind of takes all the stuff people don't really want to believe about Atlantis and Plato, like the ancient gods and stuff, and sort of wraps it all in like a believable bow, you know? Like it existed, but these weren't actual gods. It was just really great people in this city, and everyone thought they were gods, you know what I mean? Yeah. People who've, who've searched for the remains of the city include Bl Bruce Blackburn, who's the CEO of a company that uses historical records and satellite data to find archaeological sites. After reading Plato's dialogues on Atlantis, his team set out trying to find archaeological clues in southern Spain. They found some large circles that were possibly the bases of ancient towers, the ruins of a building that they believe could be the Temple of Poseidon, and a couple other things. <laughs> and some more. It's mostly like, um, you know, like copper oxide, 
Uh-huh. So it shows that it was like a man-made thing. Oh, right. They also found evidence of a tsunami, which seemed responsible for the damage done to these structures. They took samples of material that is like looked to be man-made and sent it to a lab where they confirmed the samples to date back between 10 and 12,000 years ago. Wow. So this all seems pretty promising, but some people aren't very convinced, partly because Bruce's background is in finance rather than archaeology. Okay, Bruce. And that he didn't actually give any methods that the lab supposedly used to date this stuff. Right. So no one really knows if that's legit. That's a shame. Come on, Bruce, cite your findings. They did They did um, find some cool stuff, though. So, I mean, something good came out of it, whether it was Atlantis or not. But yeah, he still found some cool cool stuff going on. In a documentary by National Geographic, they also suggested that they'd found Atlantis in southern Spain. Popular spot. <laughs> cool hangout for the Atlanteans. Researchers found that 5,000 years ago, humans lived in what is now a wetlife park. So they analysed microscopic remains from the park area and found that it was above sea level during the Copper Ages and that the remains sit on top of other remains that are even older, which dates everything back to around 12,000 years ago. Wow. So that's also a potential spot. Another place is by was talked about by British historian Matthew Sibson, who is the guy that did that YouTube channel I talked about at the beginning. Archaeological or- ancient origins. Arch- you know I said it at the beginning, you can skip back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's, he claims that Atlantis is just off the coast of the UK. He says that Rockall, which you might know about. I do not. Oh, basically, um, there's this sort of like mini little island. It's basically like a just a... It's an uninhabitable granite island off of the UK. It's like a lump in the water. We've got the best hangout spots. <laughs> More people have been to the moon, apparently, than have been on this thing. Wow. You just can't. It's not worth it. People don't... Why, why would you want to do that? To say you have. I, I think you can go to it now, but it's like really expensive and hard, hard to do. To go look at some granite. No thanks. If there's not a food stall on it, I'm not going. It's just one big rock with like a taco stand. Hell yeah. Hot dog stand. I'm the vendor. Yeah. I make no money because more <laughs> people have been to the moon than to visit my taco stand. But it looks really good on your LinkedIn page. It does, yeah. There are no reviews though because no one's been. <laughs> I'll give you a review. Oh, thanks. It'll be a lie though because I've never been either. <laughs> so this is the only place to him that makes sense for there to be this lost civilization. So Plato said that the island of Atlantis is close to Africa and Europe, obviously because that's where they were able to invade. Mm-hmm. With islands that lead to other islands and overlook the enormous opposite continent. So kind of, you can island hop to get to the enormous continent. Yeah. So it's thought that if this is Rockall, which is just to the left of the UK, you can island hop easily to Iceland and Greenland and the enormous other continent would be America. Okay, that makes sense. He also presents images of Rockall and says that many of the features look too man-made to be natural. Also, apparently, it's thought that there were more rocks around Rockall around 3,000 years ago, so it's entirely possible this could have been a whole island 10,000 years ago. Fair. Also, when I was Googling Rockall, I was researching about it, the first thing that came up is like, who owns Rockall? And it was like the UK claimed to own Rockall but their neighbours do not agree. Oh my god. So Fight. it's just there. Can I buy Rockall? No. The UK owns it. Maybe. <laughs> they say they do. I hate that the UK does that. It's like the British Empire all over again. That's ours. Yeah. Everyone's Wait, like, no that, it's not. Um, yeah, it is. You want to fight us? We've Why got a do you huge even want it? navy. It's just a rock. Right, grow up. It's a piece of granite. Just buy some at Screwfix. She's trying to psych you out so she can open up her stand there. I am, yeah. <laughs> I want Rockall. It could also be underneath Antarctica. Could be. The theory of crustal displacement sounds super gross. Ew. But it's actually the idea that movement of the planet means that Antarctica may have been ice-free around 12,000 years ago. Which means an ancient city could have been there. Sorry, talking about crust, I have another interesting fact. You want this to hear sounds it? like it's going to be bad. No, yeah, it's not. On. It's about the Earth's crust and 
the subsequent other layers of the earth right so do you remember seeing that diagram when we were kids and it was like a circle with like a chunk cut out like a piece of pie that was forbidden this is the most boring episode we've ever done i know sorry about it <laughs> um anyway piece of pie red inside then orange then yellow oh yeah it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a forbidden snack yeah right mm. that's not what the inside of the earth looks like what the earth there's like a, a circle for the core right and then there are two ginormous blobs are kind of like opposite sides of this core and we know they're there from having done like seismic tests on it or something i don't know sciencey we don't know what they're made of they are ginormous they are bigger than continents i don't want to live on this planet anymore i feel unsafe they are huge we do not know what they are we do not know how they got there they were thought, maybe, to have been the source of super volcanoes. Oh no. And I am fearful. I learned that this morning, and now I want to scare you. Carry on with your crust displacement. Okay, but I'm an anxious person. I'm going to think about this for the rest of my life. You're welcome. I'm going to go to my therapist and be like, Kate, tell me about these big volcanoes in the planet. Super volcanoes. <laughs> super volcanoes? <laughs> su 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 super Okay, back to Atlantis. So yep. the Piri Reis map, which was drawn in the 1500s, shows the Antarctic coast hundreds of, year hundreds of years before the discovery of Antarctica in 1829. It also shows it without ice. Oh. So this theory, this is where Atlantis could have been before it was destroyed and an ice continent took over. Fair. The Ice Age. And the last exploration in January of this year... A diver from Nagia was exploring waters around a remote Japanese island when he discovered an enormous man-made structure. He said the water was crystal clear and he saw a stepped structure with the size of five football fields. So while this is amazing, it's also on the other side of the world to where Plato said Atlantis sank, so they're not really very convinced. But I'd just like to talk about underwater excavations, really. So, You know what freaks me out is that language barriers are a thing right and hear me out there could be a sunken city of like japan and everyone in japan knows about it and it is what we have been calling atlantis this entire time but its real name is something japanese right so we don't understand it they can't communicate effectively what it is we don't ask the question because we're not like you know do you guys have atlantis and they're like literally what do you mean and that's weird, right? Do Japanese people not know about Atlantis, though? Is that what you're proposing? Because Atlantis is Greek, and we still know about it. No, I mean, like, they had Atlantis, but it's just not called Atlantis. Oh, right, it's just called something different. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So none of us have asked. It's the same with cryptids. Like, I, don't, I didn't know about most of these cryptids. Like, I'm not going to lie. I knew about Jenny Greenteeth, I knew about the Loch Ness Monster, and I knew about Bigfoot. And that was pretty much my limit. And then learning about different things, like going on Wikipedia, doing deep dive cryptid searches. And I'm like, oh my God, like if all of these things are real, there's a Mongolian death worm that I never knew about because no one from Mongolia has told me. I think it's crazy that I just how little we know about the world. Right? It's part of the reason why I do this podcast is because like, I know that I could research this in my own time, but like, would I really put this much effort into it? I just think that it's absolutely fascinating that we are told history right from someone's perspective that could all be bullshit well it's like the history that we learn in britain it's all lies it's completely different yeah it's com and it's the same as in america it's all lies like the truth Probably is somewhere in other countries as well you yeah know. i'm just using like what i have knowledge of yeah yeah the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle of everyone's account but everyone puts themselves in a really good light and everyone else in a really bad light and that's so crazy yeah, we don't really know exactly what happened in history. And people could have just left parts out because they didn't want us to know about it. Well, yeah, it's like Atlantis, for example, could have been told from an Atlantean's point of view. So they were like, oh, yeah, they were gods, you know, and then it was destroyed in like one day. Everyone was taken unawares, but it could have been just been like Venice. Venice is sinking. We all know this. Venetians stay in Venice because they're like, we like it here. Maybe the exact same thing happened, it eventually sunk, and then one Atlantean told everyone. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you just don't know. And everyone's just like, well, it was clearly just a story. And it's like, but we don't know that, right? And again, on the same topic, but a bit different before I start absolutely freaking out. All of these different dives, I put them all in because like, to prove that people were still looking for it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But everyone in these people, they all found something uh, right? old, which means that they might not be Atlantis, but there are ancient buildings under the fucking sea. Why? Tell me. How did they get there? Why are we not talking about this more? Well, I presumed because like the Earth's crust is constantly moving. Yeah, like the Earth is super fucking old. And people are old. Yeah, but... so like places just kind of disappear sometimes. Yeah, but like everyone talks about Atlantis. Why is no one talking about all these other cities that are just in the sea? Maybe they are, but maybe there are language barriers. Oh my god, I'm gonna freak out let's just wrap this up my right. last theory is aliens obviously oh yes the one i've been waiting for the theory that aliens helped build ancient egypt and the pyramids so what if they also ruled atlantis you know what if they did that and then they were like we're all going to live on this one island and you know we're all going to be aliens there do you have to get an invite yeah <laughs> well plato said that atlantis was for people who were half human and half god like demigods mm-hmm so they could have just been aliens, right? Like, if you see people and they're like, they were more powerful than us, they're like, they're stronger and they're better, they could just be aliens. What do you think? I think it's hard because um, you've kind of got to take everything Plato says with a pinch of salt. Like, does he mean God or does he just mean people that are more ethical? You know what I mean? People that, like, live their life closer to what he thought was godlike. You know what I mean? So... Are they really half human, half god? Or do they just like wash their hands a bunch, read literature, partake in the arts, you know? Oh, I get you. So I think that's taking a very literal account. And I think. Oh, yeah, no, of course. But I just thought it was worth adding in. Oh, definitely. I mean, would it be super rad if there was an alien civilization that like then crumbled and is in our sea, but like they were among us for like that amount of time? Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, well, I do personally believe that aliens were here at least at one point. I think they might still be, but that's a that's a separate thing I could also talk about for hours. But I guess this idea is just that, like, everyone thinks these people are really advanced. You know, they're really smart. They have technology that they shouldn't really have at the time. What if they have that because they're aliens, you know? Fair. And they helped build a bunch of different structures and stuff. Perhaps that's why they were so advanced and worshipped for years to come. And then they were either destroyed in a natural, a natural disaster or they were forced to return back home and just destroyed evidence that they were there or something like that. Possibly. You never know. No, that is in fact true. And that's what's spooky. What do you think? Let's do the scare scale. How scary do you think the idea of Atlantis is? I don't, it's not scary. One. There's nothing scary about Atlantis. If it was there, rad. Not dangerous either then? Maybe, I think that maybe the idea of a city vanishing in one night and one day is a bit dangerous. So I'm going to say two. I don't think the people of Atlantis were dangerous. How likely is it that Atlantis was an actual place? What do you think? I think if we're taking the idea of somewhere being a place, not necessarily called Atlantis, and now it is no longer there, with people that were all of a similar mindset and were, in the eyes of Plato, more godlike. Five. But I don't, I think it's hard though, because obviously, like I said with Santorini, that's kind of what that was. And now it's in the sea. And exactly. we know that. But the way Plato wrote about Atlantis, do you think that there's a real place in the sea that is Atlantis? Whether or not it had actual gods in it or not. I'm going to say three and a half okay and here's why it's the fact that you're asking me if like straight up atlantis was there i don't know i don't know but then i didn't know about where was it santorini until you just told me so i can't write it off so i just don't have enough knowledge go ask someone else okay i quit what are your ideas <laughs> aliens mm -hmm. natural disaster it didn't exist yeah, just a story. Yeah. 
uh, maybe just mass relocation. Maybe they were like, our city is sinking. Let's all go to Venice. I mean, they're just fated. <laughs> Fair enough. I think what's interesting is that when I went into this, I was like, because obviously I've heard about it before and I've heard about Plato and stuff. I was like, oh, it was just obviously a metaphor to be like, this is what the perfect people are like. And if you're not moral and spiritual, then gods will smite you. Yeah, like strive to be like them and you too can live in a utopia. Yeah, if you start doing all of this stuff, you'll die, basically. Oh God. But I don't think that's what Plato was saying. But no, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Kind of like a, the, a way to get people to believe his views of stuff. Yeah, it's like when you tell kids to be good or Santa won't bring you any presents. Yeah, exactly. Except to like the mass people of Athens. But the more I've looked into it, the more I'm like, maybe. I am totally not against there being a city that sunk because it's so common. Also, the sea is absolutely massive. Right? It's so big. We don't know what's in there. Megalodon could be in there. Maybe we'll do an episode on that. There are so many things in there. There are a bunch of dead bodies. There are lots of ruins. There is lots of transport. There are so many things. Don't talk about transport. Sorry. Ugh. There's so much stuff in there. And like, obviously, litter. Don't litter, kids. Be good. Pick up your stuff and make sure you cut the beer packaging. Anyway, there's loads of stuff in there. So I'm not going to say Atlantis isn't real until we've explored 100% of the Earth's oceans. Drain the sea. Don't. Drain the sea. Don't drain the sea. Just for a bit and then put it back. I'll be your favourite animal is shark. And the giant anteater. I do love sharks. Oh my god, I forgot about the, all the creatures in there. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, 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 don't. drain the sea. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. I forgot that there were animals in the sea. You're an idiot. I was like, it's fine, it's just buildings. Like, we can just put it back. I can't believe you have the mental capacity to edit this. <laughs> yeah, you see, we're all good at different things. Drain mine isn't, the sea. Mine isn't thinking. I've made a GoFundMe to drain the Earth's oceans. The, all the whale sharks uh, stop putting petitions against it. Oh my god. Well, that was it. We need to work on looking in the ocean, though. A hundred percent. I think we should we should prioritize that over like space, right? Can we figure out what's here first before we start trying to leave? Elon Musk, if you're listening to this, <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> Can you figure out what's in the sea, please? Thank you. Or even just you, your average Joe, go find out what's in the sea right now. Tell us. Take photos. Not of transport. If you send me a photo of a plane in the water. I'm going to block you. She's going to cry and I'm going to have to deal with it. Oh, it makes you feel sick. Why is it in there? That's not where they go. Look, or like roller coasters. Oh my just God. Just stop now. Oh, just, oh my God. <laughs> just punch the mic. Just okay. Punched us over in the head. I think this is enough. On that note, if you enjoy this, literally I cannot fathom why this has been the most boring episode of our entire lives. Mm-hmm. And then give us a rating on iTunes, preferably a high one. Oh, please. Because <laughs> I'll cry at that as well. <laughs> I'm a very sensitive person. (laughs) And finally, don't listen before bed. Listen before bed.